Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for this opportunity to continue our worship this morning and to even come together freely to worship you. That's the reason why we're here this morning. We're here to respond appropriately to who you've revealed yourself to be. And we know in Scripture that you are the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings. Allow us to continue worshiping you in an appropriate manner, having known that, having said that. We pray this in Christ's name who makes this possible. Amen. What would you say the easiest go-to sources on the internet for you, you know, when it comes to commerce? If you have to go anywhere on the internet, anywhere, to buy something, to purchase something, you need something, you need it quick, you need it shipped to you quick, you need to find it quick, Amazon, Amazon, right? I would say it's safe to say that we all use Amazon. Maybe not all of us, but a high percentage of us. And we see those Amazon trucks everywhere. It was only a few years ago that Amazon was still shipping through FedEx, UPS, the Postal Service, USPS. And then now they have their own trucks. They're everywhere. They're out and about delivering packages. But what if I told you that the very first Amazon package was actually shipped from this garage that you're looking at right here? The very first book was packed and shipped from this Seattle, Washington home. Actually, it's a home that's in a suburb of Seattle, Washington. But this small garage, this house is under 2,000 square feet. Jeff Bezos and his former wife packed the first book and shipped it out of this garage. He started it in the 1990s out of this garage, and he said this himself. Because that's pretty humble beginnings, if you ask me, right? I mean, considering what Amazon is today, even the the Amazon, the two buildings that they just built here in the Fort Myers area recently are massive. And that's only one city in this country. So imagine all the other buildings they have. But it started out of this garage. He said this, though. Think about this. He said, the biggest oak starts from an acorn. And if you want to do anything new, you've got to be willing to let that acorn grow into a little sapling and then finally into a small tree. And maybe one day it will be a big business on its own. We know that big things start small. As we all know with Amazon, the rest is history, isn't it? The company is massive now in such a short period of time. I mean, we're talking maybe 25, 27 years. It goes from what you see on your screen now, this small garage, to what it is today. And just so you know, Bezos was actually renting this house. I don't think he ever owned this house. Brothers and sisters, everything has to start somewhere. Everything has to start somewhere. And it's almost true that everything starts from nothing, right? That's almost true. Almost. I'm stressing almost. It's almost true that everything starts from nothing. But then again, if we said that that was true, then what would come first, the chicken or the egg? And we do know that God has always been, right? 
So I don't know if we can entirely say that everything starts from nothing. But as believers, we know that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have always been. Scripture is very clear on that. They started something small that has been steadily growing in power and steadily growing in glory. And what I'm talking about, that thing that is steadily growing in power, steadily growing in glory, brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Because the title for our sermon this morning is this, The Kingdom. The Kingdom. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. We're looking at two verses today. Last week, we listened to Jesus tell us that salvation is built upon a foundation of obedience. That's why we can say what we said at the outset. It doesn't matter what your theology is. Even proper theology here, if it's not lived out through your heart, it's actually worthless. Which is why he said the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man did what? He built his house upon the sand. When you build your house upon the rock, you build upon a foundation of Jesus. When you build your house on the sand, you build a foundation for your empire, your own personal empire upon yourself. Today we're going to realize three things about God's kingdom by only looking at these two verses. So without any more being said, let's go ahead and get into the text. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Amen. So by just looking at these two verses, we're going to come up with this one sentence defining both these verses. And this is our main idea for this morning, and that idea states this. God's kingdom starts small, grows large, and benefits humanity. God's kingdom starts small, grows large, and benefits humanity. Speaking of starting small, here's a little reference for you on the size, the actual side of a mustard seed. We've all heard that they're small, haven't we? But this is actually how small. It fits just squarely in the center of the tip of your finger. And I would imagine if you could get enough to stay on your finger, you could fit quite a few mustard seeds just on the tip of your finger. I don't think Jeff Bezos could have started Amazon that small. I mean, let's face it. He needed at least a little bit of a garage to store some of these books he was shipping. But before he go into that. Let's go ahead and get into this text a little bit here with Matthew 13. These verses will be on the screen for you this morning. We must understand parables before we just get any further here. We we really need to know what what a parable is, and, and really simply, we're going to define it right now, and a parable is a simple story that illustrates the gospel. That's it. A parable is a simple story for us that illustrates the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us as hell-deserving sinners. has everything to do with our salvation. Often Jesus used Proverbs when he 
did a parable. See, a proverb is a modern example for us would maybe be something like when we say wise as an owl or, you know, crazy as a fox or one rotten apple doesn't spoil the whole bunch. That's a proverb, and Jesus used many proverbs, and this is important for us to understand before we continue this morning. He used many proverbs of that day and time to aid the illustration of his parable. So today we're going to break this parable that we see here this morning on the mustard seed into three realizations. There's three realizations that we can come to after having read these two verses. First, God's kingdom starts small as Jesus begins by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Therefore, we've already established that God's kingdom Start small. However, the mustard seed is actually not the smallest of all the seeds. And that's another thing that we need to keep in mind as we move forward because there's a lot of naysayers out there who want to disprove the Bible and say, hey, right, right there, see, if Jesus was really God, he would have known that the mustard seed was not, in fact, the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Right there in verse 32, the smallest of the seeds would have been known as the mustard seed to the audience. So why would Jesus share a seed that actually isn't known to them? He used a seed that they actually use and would know about to illustrate what he's illustrating here. Now remember, parables from Jesus utilize these proverbs. So the mustard seed was the smallest of the seeds they used. They used seeds for barley, wheat, lentils, and bean seeds. Therefore, the mustard seed was commonly used in the ancient world to symbolize something small in size. Really, it was something that was commonly used, so that's why Jesus was talking about something as small as the smallest seed being the mustard seed. So not only did his kingdom start small, it started with just a handful of unlikely, uneducated, and unrefined men. That's how the kingdom starts. Jesus, when he began his kingdom on earth, didn't start it with the best of the best of that time according to what the world standard was. No, he started his kingdom with a handful of unlikely, uneducated, and unrefined men. So let's put ourselves in the sandals, no pun intended, that's a little bit of a Pastor Jared joke, going a little bit daddish on you on that one. We're not going to put ourselves in the shoes of the first apostles, but let's put ourselves in the sandals of these Jews. See, they were being ruled at the time and oppressed by Rome. Rome was in power. And here's Jesus talking about the kingdom. See, they were actually expecting a conquering Messiah. Their Messiah was going to come and conquer Rome and liberate them from Roman oppression. That's what they were expecting. They were expecting their Messiah to come and to lead them on a military expedition against these oppressors. But what they got instead was something different. See, their Messiah was comparing his kingdom to a mustard seed. That wouldn't have been so reassuring at the time if you had a worldly perspective. But that's precisely what Jesus was doing. Brothers and sisters... What they really got is the same as what we get. And we need to understand that. We are in the same boat as they are. 
Jesus who saves us from a far more deadly enemy. That's exactly what we get too. Now, they could have wanted Jesus to come and save them from the enemy of Rome, but that wasn't the deadly enemy. Because that's not our enemy. I mean, did you get up this morning and worry about Rome invading the U.S.? No. Jesus saved them from the same enemy that he saved us from. And no, I'm not talking about Satan, our adversary. Don't give him that much credit. Jesus saved us from the enemy that is called sin. Because that enemy will tempt us to give in, and then that, when we do give in to the temptation, leads to death. One writer summarized this, this by saying, in this parable of the mustard seed, the kingdom clearly was not one that would immediately destroy all the other plants and take over the garden, so to speak. To the contrary, it was a kingdom that would grow and grow and grow over time. And yes, one day it would be the greatest kingdom in the world. But that would take time, and that is the picture that Jesus is depicting in this parable. And this is precisely the second thing we realize within this parable. The first was that we realize that the kingdom starts small, as small as a mustard seed. But the second thing we realize is that it keeps growing. It's steadily growing in power. It's steadily growing in glory. And this has been predicted in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I will read these for you. They will not be on the screen. Daniel says this. He says, I saw the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven. There came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. See, in verse 32, what does Jesus say here? He says, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. Now, a mustard seed can actually produce a pretty large bush. Typically, they don't get as big as what I'm about ready to tell you, but they could get up to about 15 feet. So that small little mustard seed that we saw on the tip of a finger can grow to a bush that can reach 15 feet in height. This is really similar to that illustration that we had from the outset with Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Small house, small garage. Him personally packing and shipping books from online orders in the mid-90s turned into the multi-billion dollar conglomerate that Amazon is today. See, the Bible tells us how large God's kingdom grows in Psalm 78, or chapter 72, verse 8. It says, May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. God's kingdom is growing here right now. As we live on this earth, God's kingdom is growing. 
It's futuristic, though, also in nature, and he has sovereign control over history. That's something we can't forget about God. See, the futuristic timeline fits the mustard seed parable that we see here in the text. See, the kingdom will be consummated when the harvest arrives. And that's what Jesus is really getting to here because his Jewish audience would have understood that. And we also see this from Mark 4, verse 29, where Mark writes, But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Brothers and sisters, this is his grain, his sickle, and his harvest. That's why we go back to last week in the parable of the rock and the wise man and the foolish man. If you want to be wise, you know that it is his grain, his sickle, and his harvest. That's why you build your house upon the rock-solid foundation of Jesus. It's those who think it's their grain, their sickle, and their harvest. Those are the fools. They're the ones building their house upon the sand. See, we said that he's in control. He's in sovereign control of history, right? We know that God controls history. Think about the word history in the English language. His story. Everything that happens on this earth, everything that's happened within God's creation is really His story. And His story, 100% of the time, circles back to Him and His glory every time. This is an encouragement for us. Because this evil world will never prevail against God's kingdom. No matter what it is that we see going on politically, even what we mentioned earlier to what is currently going on with Roe v. Wade, even if states end up voting independently and that is something that becomes legal, the evil in this world will never prevail against God's kingdom. His kingdom is growing in one believing heart at a time. We can't forget that, can we? And that's why we say it's important to love God and love others. That's why it's important for us to not only have a sound theology, but also to have a sound heart that is being led by His Spirit as He's asked us to love Him and love others. And when was the last... Um, let me say this again. If his kingdom is growing in one believing heart at a time, and we know that it is steadily growing in power, and we know that it's steadily growing in glory, then what we do know is that it's not going to stop growing here on this earth until the last person gets saved. That is the job of the church. The job of the church isn't for you to come in on Sunday morning and get something out of it. Oh, I go there because I like to worship. Oh, I love that pastor. He's really entertaining to listen to. He's real charismatic. He tells funny jokes. That's not the point. The point is for us to come worship the Lord. 
The point is for us to have a proper understanding of who we are without Jesus so we can better know why we are actually in a relationship with Him. And then our job is to go out and share Him with others. That's what this is all about. It's not about us, not about me, not about you. It is about Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, that is the mission of the church And that should be the mission of our church. And that's precisely why we say, know, grow, go. Know the Lord, grow in the Lord, go share the Lord. It's the reason why we say building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Now, we established two things that we've realized from this text. One is that the kingdom starts small. But then the second thing we realized was that the kingdom actually is continually growing now, isn't it? The third thing that we realize from these two verses is that God's kingdom benefits humanity. Jesus says, and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Do you know why the birds are making nests in the branches? of this tree that Jesus is talking about. Now, a lot of it's speculation. But I can surmise from what we're actually seeing so far with these two verses that I think it's safe to say that the birds would want to come make nests in this tree that started off from this small, tiny little mustard seed at the tip of an index finger could sit on. The reason why they want to come into this particular bush in make nests within the branches is because God has provided seeds for the birds to eat. Again, it's his grain, his sickle, because it's ultimately his harvest. Jesus says that the birds make nests in its branches. Do you prefer to live where it's safe and secure? Or do you just say, you know, I'm going to live in the worst part of town I know I could afford it over here, but I want to go where it's not real safe. I'd rather live where I have to sleep with one eye open every night and and fear for my life. I mean, is that the decision that we make? Or is it pretty safe to say that all of us would rather live where it's safe and secure? The safest place that we can actually afford to live, we're going to live, right? Well, don't you think these birds are going to be wanting to do the same? And this isn't the first time a tree like this has been revealed in Scripture either. It isn't like Jesus is just pulling this one out of thin air. No, see, this has been mentioned before. See, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had a dream that Daniel actually interpreted in Daniel chapter 4, verse 10. The dream was this. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. And King Nebuchadnezzar goes on to say, I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. Well, as we know, Daniel was the one that could interpret these dreams. So he did so in the same chapter, Daniel 4, verses 20 and 21. And this is what Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar about that tree that kept growing. The tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beast of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens live. See, The nation of Babylon grew large, 
And it ended up influencing the world with art. Babylon influenced the world in education. Babylon influenced the world in architecture. Babylon was a beacon of prosperity to the rest of the world. And Babylon was also a beacon of peace because they were strong, they were mighty. They could squash situations before they arose. Now, John MacArthur remarks on this. He said this, The nations of the world were the birds lodging in the tree of the Babylon Empire, or the Babylonian Empire. Think about that. The birds in the tree, as being depicted by Daniel here, were actually lodging in the tree of the Babylonian Empire. He goes on to remark this. He says, A great, massive, dominant world power will shelter a whole lot of other little ones. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but this sounds a lot like our nation. Think about how many nations in the world today benefit from the United States of America. Think about how many dollars we just send to countries to help sustain them. See, we've almost become that big tree ourselves. And there's a lot of little nations seeking shelter within us. And I think it's safe to say, and I think this is okay to say without getting too political, but we're kind of starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we're starting to see how that's not a real sustainable endeavor. Because throughout the course of history, there hasn't been a nation yet that survived doing just that. But I'm okay with that. And you should be okay with that too. And that's the reason why we can mention this from Scripture and not even say, well, we're getting politics or dragging anybody into this that shouldn't be drug into this. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the kingdom, the only kingdom that matters that we're actually talking about, the one that starts from this mustard seed, will, have, will not have the same problem. And that's what God is building. This kingdom of heaven the kingdom will be able to sustain all of humanity for all of eternity. So as Joe comes up and joins me, this is not the point of the parable, though. What Jesus is conveying is that his kingdom will grow to be so large that believers from various nations will find eternal shelter in His kingdom. That's the reason why it's the job of the church to share Christ and Him crucified with those who do not know Him. Also, Jesus is conveying that the nations of this world find temporary shelter in His kingdom that's already growing. Think about that. What would this world look like if we removed the church? The little bit of good that we see in this world that's outside of Christianity is because of the church's influence on the world. Just recently, Hope and I finally bought a new bedroom set after, after about 20 years of having the same one. I mean, it's a good problem to have to be able to do that. And we live in a country where we all have opportunities to do so. But the problem became, what do we do with the old bedroom set? 
It was run down. It was beat up. It was large. There was extra pieces of furniture that we realized we didn't need anymore, but we had to get rid of this bedroom set. I mean, poor us. I had to sit in our garage for about a week and a half, two weeks, before somebody would come and pick it up for free. What a, what a wonderful problem to have in this country. But where do you think the idea started? Because I called Habitat for Humanity. I don't know much about the organization, but what I do know is they try to do good for those who aren't necessarily able to do some of these things on their own. But where do you think that started from? I guarantee you if we traced it back to its origins and its roots, the profound effect that the church has had on this world would have influenced the attitude of how something like Habitat for Humanity started. Now we hope that that bedroom set gets passed off for free to somebody who really is in need and needs it. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged. You're part of a kingdom that is growing. If you have saving faith in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and was raised on the third day because you know that you are inherently sinful on your own, be encouraged that you are part of God's growing kingdom. Be encouraged that He wants to use you to help build His kingdom. That kingdom that is starting off or started off as small as a mustard seed that is going to dwarf Something like Amazon. A kingdom that will last forever. A kingdom for all of eternity. A kingdom, God's kingdom, as we have already stated, that starts small, grows large, and benefits humanity. That, again, was our main idea. God's kingdom starts small, grows large, and benefits humanity. Even those who do not have saving faith in Jesus, while they live on this earth today, still benefit from God's growing kingdom. We need to get out there and let others who do not know that, know that. Let's pray. Lord, use us to assist in your building of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we continue to learn to have an appreciation for who you are, especially as we worship you. We are thankful for the mothers today here on Mother's Day. Thank you for how you've used them in our lives. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.